Hi friends, thank you for tuning in to the Concussion Coach Podcast. I'm Bethany Lewis, the Concussion Coach. I'm a neurological occupational therapist and certified life coach, and I specialize in guiding people through their concussion recovery journey. I am passionate about helping people understand their injury, speed up their recovery, and reclaim control over their life post-concussion. The purpose of this podcast is to help increase awareness of concussions and the impact they can have on a person's life, and to bring hope to people who have suffered a concussion and those who love them. I firmly believe that sharing stories and knowledge about concussions will bring important light and understanding to this misunderstood and often invisible injury. The information in this podcast is meant to bring that awareness and hope and is not meant as medical advice. The opinions shared are those of the interviewees and my own. If you are suffering with lingering concussion symptoms, I have created a concussion coaching program specifically for you. I will be your mentor to guide you through your recovery journey, offering help with understanding and managing your symptoms, setting achievable goals, and learning how to manage your own thoughts and nervous system in order to get control over your life again. If this program sounds like something that would help you or someone you love, sign up for a free consultation. In the consultation, you'll get valuable information and resources and gain hope for your future. Sign up for your free consultation at the link in the show notes or at my website, www.theconcussioncoach.com. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Concussion Coach Podcast. I'm so happy to have as my guest today, Aslan Maloney. This is actually Aslan's second time appearing with me on the podcast. And the first time was way back when I was first starting out on this coaching and podcasting journey almost two years ago. And it was before I had niched down into concussion coaching specifically. If you're interested in hearing that interview, she shared all kinds of very helpful insights about life and coaching. And you can find it on episode number four of this podcast. So it was it was a little while ago. <laughs> Aslan is an executive coach that specializes in the Clifton Strengths. She is a graduate of Brigham Young University and has extensive experience applying a deep toolbox of coaching modalities, helping in executives and individuals build the life that they want. I've been thinking lately about some of the perspectives that have been helpful to me in understanding human behavior and managing my own mind around other people's behavior that I might struggle with. And one approach that has been particularly insightful for me in understanding myself and others is something that I learned from Aslan. And I thought it would be nice to have her come on and share her overview of this information with the listeners today. And the tool we'll be discussing is called the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And I really think this is going to be helpful for everyone, brain injury or not, but I do think that it has very pertinent application to the concussion community because, as we know, we are all humans trying to figure out life in each other's company and understanding personality tendencies and people's core way of approaching life can give great insights to the caregivers supporting someone with a concussion, as well as to the person struggling with ongoing symptoms. Concussions can amplify things that people are struggling with, or sometimes they can seem to change personalities altogether, or at least in significant ways. So I feel it is well worth our time to have a discussion about personality types and try to understand how to best support and love people in whatever is innately challenging for them. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Aslan. I'm so happy to have you back to share your wisdom with all of us. I'm very honored to be asked back. So thank you, Bethany. You're doing some amazing work in the world. And I'm really grateful that you included me to support that. So thank you. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'll just throw out here too. Aslan was very instrumental in helping me get started on my coaching journey. And so I very much appreciate everything that she does (laughs) and her perspective. So I'm very excited to have this conversation. I like the Clifton Strengths information has been very, very helpful for me. And I do think it will be, I think it's information that will be helpful for everybody because again, we're all humans trying to figure out life together. So let's start by having you share a little bit more about 
you and how you came into learning about the Clifton Strengths and your background with it, all of that. Yeah. So I was introduced to coaching a really interesting way. I had listened very similar to what's happening right now. I listened to a podcast and a woman spoke about the coaching and about the Clifton Strengths assessment. And she was giving a seminar and offered a two for one deal that my husband and I took her up on. So we went to this seminar, we took the Strengths assessment, didn't really know anything about it, and then went to the seminar and had our minds blown, absolutely blown with not only understanding our own selves, but how we started to understand each other, how we understand our children, the people around us. It just, it was a such a deeply insightful, revelatory experience for us. And from that, things just built where then I became certified and I started practicing as a, my own coach. That's also how we met. And so, and I've been doing it almost 10 years now. We're coming up on a, a decade of, of this experience. And it just has been such a fantastic journey to be in the space of helping people realize fulfillment in their lives. And I love that. And this tool, this Clifton Strengths tool is just seminal in achieving that. Awesome. I love that. And that kind of leads perfectly into my next question, which is what what do you like about this assessment? How does it help people? And how have you found it to be helpful with your clients specifically? Well, there are a lot that I things that I love about the assessment. I'm very careful because some of the unique things about the assessment, I don't want to talk about until people have taken the test because you don't want to influence it. And one of the things that before people meet with me, they'll take the test and then they'll start kind of judging their results. They'll be like, well, I wanted this strength to be higher. Or that I didn't have that strength. And, and so I'm really careful about getting too descriptive about, but I love, here's what I really love about it. It's a tool that is really efficient to take. It doesn't take a long time. It's under an hour for most people. It's a times test. So you can't, it's like half an hour usually for most people. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that report that Gallup sends you, you, you have an account. And when you get your report, I have not had a single person not experience this sense of being seen and understood. And uh, I think people like personality tests. This actually isn't a personality test. This is a, how do you uniquely show up in the world? And then how can we leverage that so that you are more fulfilled in your life? And that I think that's such a universal question. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel that sense of fulfillment. How should I spend my time? Where should I spend my energy? What should I do? This will direct and guide that so efficiently and so specifically. It's really an amazing tool to have. So, so cool. Can you tell us a little bit, you you mentioned Gallup. How is it, how is Gallup related to this? What is Gallup owns Gallup's the corporate ownership of the Clifton Strengths, and so it's the umbrella of that. So if you go to that, I'm sure you'll link this. But if you go, you type in Gallup.com forward slash Clifton Strengths with one F, C L I F, is in Frank T O N, and then you can just take this assessment, and anyone can take it. You don't have to be working with a certified coach in air quotes. You don't have to you know, do anything special. I don't sell access to it. Anyone can just go take it and you can get your results and that on its own because the, the information, the report is super helpful. There, there's just a lot of, it, it's accessible for anyone. I think it's very reasonable in how much money they charge for it. But then then you can decide what you want to do with that. And And most of my clients have taken the assessment and then we work on directing and understanding how to apply that in their life. 
And is that usually how, like, what, where is this used? Where is the Clifton Strengths Assessment? Is there like one specific place where they use it a lot or is it kind of all over? Well, it's, it started really in the, being used in the corporate world, but are, you know, we're not necessarily just workers, right? And I use it with all my couple clients. I have a couple of families who hire me quarterly to work with three generations. So there's like 50 people and they've all taken the assessment and we do a, we do a seminar. They do this weekend retreat and I come and we talk about this, the theme dynamics within their families and how they can understand each other more and how, how they can work together more. It's used. I think the biggest application is the corporate application where people, and that's where I do a lot of my work, where teams are trying to get more unity and more direction and more collaboration, more interdependence. How do we work together when we're so different? What is it that's bugging us? Where's our conflict happening? And where are we less efficient? Where are we less productive? And how can we shift and change that so that everyone's actually enjoying themselves? And that's the feedback that I get. I come in, you know, we take the assessments and I come in and I help everybody see not only themselves more deeply and how to regulate and direct yourself towards fulfillment, but noticing and understanding others. And that is such a, uh, just an empowering thing for us to be able to understand what the other person is, is needing and asking and wanting. And the strengths and the reports give us language for that. Yeah, I love that. It's so it is so important to it's so helpful individually and for that collective group effort kind of thing, like knowing how to better interact with people and and get the most out of those relationships as you're trying to work towards a common goal. And something that you mentioned earlier, I just think is really important to bring out again, too, is the what this does for individuals, like to help them see what their strengths are, what they how they contribute in the world in a positive way. And I think I've I've said this before on the podcast, but that is such a core thing for everybody, and especially people who are going through a really hard time and questioning everything, right? Like their world feels upside down. Like, what do I have to offer when I when I don't feel like myself, or when things feel so uh, in limbo or upside down? Like, how how can I contribute? What what makes what I do important? And I think that this is this is a great <laughs> help in seeing that and because everybody does have something very important to offer the world and it's everybody's valuable. So I love that part of this. Well, well, and at least for me, I and kind of in reflecting that if I go back to that seminar that my husband and I took and we were driving home from that and he became quite emotional and it actually is a, a tender story for me because our children were all out of the home at that point. They had moved out and we weren't actually actively, you know, daily parenting anymore. And my husband got really emotional. We were driving along and he said, I parented completely wrong. And I was shocked because he's actually a really intentional, good, really a great dad. He's, he really is a good parent. And he said, all I was doing was trying to, I was taking what was successful about me. And I was trying to turn my children into, I was trying to have them do what made me successful. Because it worked for me. And that's actually, you know, and let's have some mercy for ourselves. That's all we can do. Like, if you say to me, what should I do? All I can tell you is what I would do in your situation. Here's how I would do it. Here's how I would fix it. Here's how I would create it. Here's how I would articulate it. You know, whatever thing. That's the only advice, air quotes again, that I could give you. And that's how we parented. 
because it's like, okay, your, your life, something's not going right in your life. So you should do more of what I would do. It's also, and this is where it shows up in my executive work. It's how we manage. Usually when we're managing employees, it's okay. I, I am managing you, my subordinate. And so I'm just going to tell you what I would do in your situation. And I, I need you to be more like me. And that is such a disempowering, disengaging system, right? It just quashes the individuality of people, except for it's the only paradigm that we have unless you have this tool. And once you have this tool, then you understand how do I leverage employees in a way that they're fulfilled and more productive? How do I see my spouse and my children as who they are and not try to change them and mold them into you know someone that they're not and and have that conflict right when my husband would say you need to think more about things because he's very high in a in a strength called deliberative which loves to gather data and to think about it and is very good at that is very analyzing risk and all it's a it's a wonderful strength he's very high in that and so he would tell that to the children and none of my children and their assessments have that as one of their top 10 strengths. It's, it's lower. <laughs> and so they're like, that doesn't work for me to, for me to sit and think about something just doesn't work for me. <laughs> and then we have conflict because dad's like, you're not doing the advice that I told you that's going to save your life and make everything wonderful. <laughs> Yep, that makes a lot of sense. We we only know what we know and how we approach it. And so this, yes, I love that perspective. This tool is so helpful in so, so many ways. So can you give us an overview of how it works? What are the strengths? What are the different domains within them? Like, tell us what we need to know about all of this. Yeah, so here's, here's where on the front end, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where I don't go into too much detail because I'm going to assume that listeners haven't taken the test. And so one of those things, there are 34 strengths and we all have all 34. There's just ones that that show up higher and more dominant, which are the way that we show up in the world. And as we understand those and then amplify or mute those a little bit, we're able to really engage our lives in a super fulfilling way. We get a ton of energy. We start to just find joy that we weren't experiencing instead of trying to be someone that we're not or trying to be like someone else that we see as successful and copy that. That's, I think, a strategy I had for a lot of my youth. I would see someone else and I think, okay, if I just be like that person, if I just be more like that person, then people will like me or people all be successful or, and I, I think it, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a strategy that humans use. We're a tribal kind of being. So it makes sense that the more that we're similar, the problem is, is that we're less fulfilled. We're very inauthentic. We fall into people pleasing. We're disempowered at our jobs. We're disengaged at our jobs. The rates and statistics of disengagement in our employment are abysmal. We're disengaged at home because we're also trying to turn each other into versions of, you know, our spouse needs to be this, this made up version that we have in our head instead of who they actually are. And so that that's what, you know, I'm, I'm kind of straying in, in the specificity of your question, but these 34 strengths help us aim that. They help us name it and aim it, right? And, and so now we know what to do and we know what other people are trying to do. I'm careful though, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to talk about exactly what the strengths are because people start saying, oh, I want that strength. I want, I wish I had that strength. I, that sounds like a good strength. 
And they're all great. They're all amazing. All of them. There's not a better strength. There are better set strength. One of the, the statistics that I love, I this just resonates so deeply with me that the odds of someone having the top 10, same top 10 strengths as you have are one in 476 trillion. Wow. There are, there are not two of us that are the same. And so we need you to show up as the version of you that you actually are the best version of you. We need that in the world. And so let's stop trying to be other things. Let's really focus on knowing who we are and what fulfills us. And then what's amazing is we start getting, we're able to spot other people and what they do and what they are bringing to the table. And now I'm going to bring you closer because you have strengths I don't have. And the combination of you and me is so amazing. Like we, the product that we come out with, whatever that is, whether it's a friendship or we're working on some corporate thing or our podcast or whatever it is, the thing that we do together, if we're both showing up with our strengths, is infinitely better than if we just both try and do it my way. Mm, so good. <laughs> yeah. So your your part of your question also was asking, so what can you tell? So you get these 34 strengths and it tells you your order and it's going to give you a report that's going to give you a ton of insight. In fact, Gallup's launching on January 20th. They're launching even a, a cooler new report. If you've taken the report, if you've taken the assessment before, you can just log in. It's going to be there. You don't have to pay anything extra or anything different. But they're upgrading, they're constantly upgrading and they're constantly working on the accuracy of the psychometric of this tool. So one of the things that I use a lot with it are the things that are, are domains. There are the 34 strengths, and then those are divided into four domains. And I can talk freely about the do domains. This will not influence the test. And what's so great about understanding domains, you will be very, once you understand them, you're going to be very quick at spotting other people's domains, and you will innately start to learn how to work with people in those domains. So the four domains are strategic thinking, executing, influencing, and relationship building. And what will happen when you take the assessment is it will give you this kind of DNA strand looking thing with the four colors in it. And you'll see how, where you, which domain you're dominant in. And as you start to notice where you're dominant, then you start to understand where you get the most joy and fulfillment. So are you a strategic thinker who loves to come up with ideas and possibilities and brainstorm and what's out there and doesn't like to necessarily be restrained by what are the practical realities of this? Just let's just think about the what ifs. Like oh, that is so fun to just think about what could we do? What might we do? How can we move the pieces around? Are you someone high in executing who likes to make things happen? So they're not necessarily the people that come up with the idea, but now that we've picked an idea, I'm going to take all the resources and I'm going to figure out how do we actually make this idea into a reality. They get the executors get things done. They accomplish things and they're the ones that give us the, the product, right? They're the doers in the world. The influencers are the cheerleaders and they're the people who are always asking us to match their energy. So if they're excited about something, they're going to tell you about it with lots of words. They're going to want you to get started, get moving. There's always motion behind influencers. 
that domain is is often told that they're too much and asked to like tone down their energy and calm down and settle down. And, and what is happening is an influencer is trying to get your energy up. And if a little bit of their energy doesn't work, then they're going to give you more of their energy to try and get you up. (laughs) And then relationship builders are the glue. They're our societal glue. They're the ones that connect us. They're the ones that see feelings and notice people and and draw us together and and keep the team or the relationship or the friendship or whatever, whatever the grouping of people exists. They tend to that human connection between us and really help everyone sort of the feelings about what that collaboration is. And those four domains that when I explain them in a company, I'll draw a little grid on the board and I'll put each domain in one of the squares and we'll go through and we'll talk about, okay, if we're going to go on a trip, if we decide that you and I are going to go on a trip, what role do you want to take? I need someone to come up with the ideas of where we're going to go. I need someone to come up with how we're going to get there. Once we pick what we're going to do, how we're going to get there. I need someone to get people to sign up for the trip and get excited about it. And then I need someone to make sure that everybody's like assigned to the right person to sit by and, and people intuitively know what they want to do, right? The strategic thinkers are like, we're going on a trip okay, we can go to Disneyland, we can go to Mexico, we can go to the moon. Like it won't be even reasonable, right? They're going to come up with all the ideas and don't slow them down. Don't. And then the executors are like, okay, we've decided this is where we're going. I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to figure out how many seats we need. I'm going to figure out how much time we have. I'm going to figure out how much money we have. I'm going to figure out what time we need to be there. Those are the executors, right? And people intuitively start to self-sort. They're like, oh yeah, I don't want to come up with the idea, but I love figuring out how we're going to do it. Or the influencers, and you can all, influencers are the easiest to spot because they're the energy people. So like, oh no, I'm excited about the idea. Let me just kind of sell everybody on it. Let me get people signed up. Let me tell people all about it. And so is that, you know, does that speak to you? Does that speak to your heart? Or are you the one who kind of notices when people are left out? Or notices that people aren't, uh, you know, sitting up at the table or someone in the group who hasn't spoken up. Is that where you tend to the, you know, in in our trip? Are you going to figure out who's going to sleep, you know, who's going to share the rooms with each other or sit by someone on the bus and make sure that they're okay? And people self-sort, right? They know exactly what role that they lean towards in trip planning. And so that's one of the ways that we see domains expressed. (laughs) <laughs> super, super interesting. And do you find that when people know that about themselves, like what, what insight does it give to people when they like, they know which domain they're in, then what? <laughs> oh, we have, you know, I mean, this is why I have a job, right? Cause it's, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a quick answer, but what, what we have is first of all, how we build connection, understanding our domains helps us understand how we build connection with people. So executors and strategic thinkers They build connection by working on a task together and how you do the task is going to determine how connected that they, that they become to you, how much they trust you, how much they rely on you, how much they will share with you. And so the way that we see that expressed is if we're getting started on something, 
we we need to start the thing and we'll kind of feel each other out along the way. And as we're working, we grow closer or we pull away from each other. The influencers and the relationship builders need the relationship to be established before they start working on the task. So they need to check in with you. They need to hear a little bit about you. They need to something that's not related to the task. They need to have some sort of connection with you that influencing is about energy and relationships building is just about details about your life. And so here's how this manifests corporately. We all gather around the table for the 10 a.m. meeting and we have an agenda in front of us for the meeting and we sit down and the, the strategic thinkers and the executors say, let's get started. And then an influencer or a relationship builder will raise their hand and say, no, 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 let's go around the table and everybody say what their favorite color is. <laughs> and the, the executors and the strategic thinkers, because remember, they're going to connect with you because we're working on the task. They hold up that agenda and they go, we have a task and we're not starting the task. You're doing something that is not on the list and it doesn't matter. And you are wasting our time and they get tipped. <laughs> Then the influencers and the relationship builders go, well, wait a minute. It's really important that we connect before we start the task, before we start the meeting, we have to connect. And so you don't care about us. You're wasting our time. And now everybody folds their arms and sits back and feels misunderstood and ticked off. And just understanding what the different domains inherently ask for. The strategic thinkers and the executors ask us to get started on the task in order to form connection and the influencers and relationship builders ask us to form connection in order to start the task. And notice how those two are, are diametrically opposed. And when we don't understand it, then now, oh, I can't stand working with that person at work. They're all touchy feely. They just waste my time. They're never working on what we're supposed to be working. Or I can't, you know, my husband will never tell me anything. I, I want him to talk to me and he tell me details about things. And, and he, he needs to check in with me before we start cleaning the garage, right? Before we start doing the dishes, I want him to talk to me and then I'll start doing the dishes. And once we see that, it's like your mind blows and you see all this stuff in your life that has been, you know, those are the, that's where my conflicts are. That's why I don't like this brother-in-law or that's why I don't like this boss or this coworker or why I don't connect with this one kid. I can't figure out why, like, I love this kid so much. Why am I not connecting with him? hundred percent. It's in the domain. Mm, that's so, so insightful and so important. And I think very, yeah very helpful <laughs> when we're trying to figure out family dynamics and relationships. Um, I know that definitely applies in my relationship with my husband. It has been hilarious <laughs> and also very frustrating as we've like, we see it and we're like, ah, he, he well, just wants to do projects together. And I just want to sit and talk and go to dinner and chat. <laughs> it's like, this, yeah, it's very different. Yeah, I, re I remember when you guys discovered that and it was just delightful and fun because like, this aha moment, right? That's what's happening. <laughs> yes, that, is, that is what is happening. Um, so how, like, how have you seen this play out or specific stories or ways that this has been, this insight has been helpful, especially in relation to like family. And cause that's kind of where my, my, I'm imagining my clients are going to be thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. I have this support network here. The, like 
the people who love me and the, and me myself, like how can we interact in a way that is helpful, especially as we're dealing with something hard. Yeah. Any, yeah. any suggestions or advice on that? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> Yay. Please share. <laughs> I have so many. I mean, I love your example. Cause I remember, you know, when both you and your husband took the assessment and then pointing out, okay, look at you guys. And both you were like, Oh, that's all that's all he wants that's all she wants and you know but what I love about this assessment is it first of all it helps us see ourselves right I didn't even realize that's what I was asking for Mm -hmm. so it helps us see what our needs are but then it gives us language in order to express that need and to help someone else understand it So my number one strength is activator and activator is an influencing strength that needs to get started. It actually isn't really particularly invested in finishing, (laughs) but it is super invested in getting things started, getting things moving. I married into a family, my in-laws, the Maloney's that I don't think anybody has activator anywhere. And we would have for years, we've been married 30 years. But for years, we gather for Thanksgiving or some holiday and then want to go to the movies. And so they'd say, let's go to the movies today. (laughs) And 16 grown adults would sit around for five hours and no one could pick a movie and no one could get into the car and no one could get and and it, it over and over we had this dynamic and I'm sitting there literally beating my head against the wall. What is wrong with you people? Just get in the car, pick the movie. What one, and I don't remember when it happened, but one holiday, I probably overstepped and just took control. I was like, Hey, everybody, we're going at one o'clock. These are your three choices. Be out in the car at this time. You don't have to go, but we're moving now. And, and they were thrilled. They were like, Oh, you've simplified it. And every got in the car and they were all excited. And I was so energized. I was like, this is, I finally know where I fit in this family. I finally know what I can bring to the table. And I, I'm not hating Thanksgiving anymore because I was constantly feeling trapped by their lack of momentum, except for none of them were bothered by it. They actually didn't care that they never made it to the movie. It told, they were like, nah, we just sat around and talked instead and it didn't matter. And I was like ripping my hair out. <laughs> I'm dying because this, I can so see that's kind of how my yeah I see that family dynamic happening I can pick out the people in my extended family <laughs> who are yeah. you and the rest of us yeah it's it's pretty funny I totally yeah. relatable <laughs> and, and what's great about activator as a as a strength is it shows up it's loud right if if we're not moving then activator is gonna say hey let's get moving everybody hey let's get moving And once my family appreciated it and saw they actually wanted to go to the movie, but none of them, for some reason, have the strength. And and they've all taken the strengths assessment. It's been super fun. (laughs) They didn't have the strength to kind of get everybody moving. And so they now appreciate me rather than feeling pushed by me. You know, I was kind of the the bossy one. I'm the only daughter-in-law. And so I was sort of that bossy daughter-in-law. And sometimes they liked it. Sometimes they didn't. And I felt judged and I felt like, you know, that whole like, oh, I don't fit in. And so I'm going to sit here and try and be quiet and nice, but I'm now not being the version of me because my activators are screaming inside. I'm just moving. (laughs) (laughs) So insightful. So, so insightful. And that's one of the joys that we learn when we understand our strengths. 
every strength that we have, all 34, but, but let's we'll mostly focus on our top 10 or 15. They want to contribute something to a situation. And when we can't contribute what our strength is, then we become really frustrated and the strength gets louder. And that's when it goes what we would call toxic or basement. That's one of the phrases that that will be used in the in the theme dynamics is it's gone basement. Well, you can see how activator can, can really go basement, particularly in parenting, by the way. Like I have all kinds of recollections of screaming at my kids to get in the car because we weren't going to be on time. And it was so important to activate her, but but as a human, that is not, and as a parent, that is not how I want to behave. But because it was so out of balance and I wasn't even aware of, you know, this theme, this dynamic, I was, I just felt that push of the theme to express itself. And so I would let myself get more and more angry at my little children who weren't going fast enough, who weren't doing what I wanted quick enough, who weren't moving in the direction that I wanted. And I became a a lesser version of myself. So our strengths want to contribute something, but they also need something. And here's where our conflict shows up. This is what I find super interesting. So me being activator number one, I would expect that you would also appreciate or see that it is time to move. That was the dynamic that was going on with my in-laws. Like, how can we say we're going to go to the movies and then we never actually start going to the movies? That doesn't make sense to me. And so activators, like, it's so obvious, everybody, that Mm -hmm. we need to get moving. Well, it's not obvious to everybody who doesn't have activator. They don't feel or see the world the way that I do. And so understanding that when we're working on a task, each of our strengths have something that they need. And each of us has something that we need in relationship from that strength. And we expect that the other person sees it. This particularly in manager, employee, parent, child, husband, wife, when we start to see that's what you were asking for. I love we my husband had taken my beloved minivan. I loved my minivan. I know people don't love them all, but I, from the first day I was in a minivan, I was like, I have found my home. I love this car. And he took it on a scouting camp out and he bent the frame. He ruined my minivan. And my kids were getting older at the time. And so he decided it was about time that we needed to downsize. So we needed to buy a new car. At this point, I had no car. So we would go driving, we would go test driving and I would pick one and he would say, I'm going to go home and research it. My husband is high and analytical and high and deliberative. I am not high in those. I'm high in activator, which is often called ready, fire, aim. (laughs) (laughs) So I just walked into the first dealership that I saw and I drove a car and I was fine. This is the one that I want. I want this, this car. And he wanted to go home and think about it. And so then the next weekend, we would go test driving. And then we would he would go think about more cars. And then the next weekend, he would go, four months into this, I had no cars. I, actually, I had no car for four months. I was literally hitchhiking or walking to the grocery store. And then I'd be walking back, carrying the grocery. I was so silly. <laughs> and uh, one day, I exploded in the, in the kitchen. I scared our children to death because we don't tend to be a fighting family. And I just started screaming about, I need a stinking car. I didn't use the word stinking, by the way. And and so we went and drove the car. Well, when we were sitting in that, we went and bought a car. When we were sitting in that first seminar, understanding about the strengths and learning what activator was, my husband realized, 
the stress he was causing me by not taking action. Mm. And he didn't understand it because he needed to think about it and he needed to analyze it. I also now understand the stress it causes him when we have an important decision if I don't give him time and space to think about it and analyze it. So the next time we bought a car, I said to him, you go do all the test driving. You go narrow it down to three cars. Tell me what they are. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the decision. That's but I don't, don't make me sit there while you're thinking. <laughs> and we now have language and we have understanding and we have connection and collaboration and we make way better decisions because we're leveraging his analytical and deliberative powers and skills and talents. And then my pulling the trigger talents, mm. which he struggles with. He's like, cause there's always more to analyze. And we, know, we love this about ourselves. We're like, Oh, we're awesome together. Now that we know how to do it. Yes. Oh, I love that. so much. That's so, so powerful. And like, just, yeah, so insightful. You can, you know how to compromise, you know what each other need and what your strengths are and how you can each contribute. That's such a big deal. <laughs> and, and what you were saying before too, about the concept of the basement, I've heard the phrase, uh, the, our weaknesses are our strengths overused. And I think that's like an example of that. Like if we, we have, everybody has strengths <laughs> and sometimes what, if we are, if they're not getting their needs met and they're getting pushed so strongly or whatever, that, that can be problematic <laughs> and that oh, can yeah. tons of examples of that one too by the way <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure well i would yes if you have any other i'm please do share uh, let's hear a couple more examples of ways that you've seen this helping with people especially if people are going through a challenging situation or like health challenge in particular if you have anything with that but just general yeah i mean and, and there's some specificity with this but health challenges are interesting because you have the, the so Strategic thinking people are want to get going to want to gather all. They're going to research a ton. They're high learner is one of them. So they're going to want to like get on the internet and find out everything you can. Executing people going through a health problem are going to want to make decisions and be very practical and be really specific about what we're doing. They don't want a lot of options. They want let's pick two or three and really commit to them or one, and really commit to it. And so you can see how those two domains where the strategic thinkers are are going, wait a minute, we could, you know, go to Mexico and put needles in our ears, or we could, you know, stand on our head over the moon vortex. And, you know, an executor, they're like, okay, if we're going to do one, just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> but stop being crazy and weird and throwing out all these ideas. <laughs> Right? And strategic thinkers are like, no, we, want, we we need to think of all the things. Like, let's do anything because we're trying to solve this health crisis. Yes. Both of them are very invested in resolution, by the way. Both of them want the same thing. They just are going to journey there differently. Influencers are the ones who are going to want you to match their energy about it. So there are people who need to be upset. There are people who need to be calm. There are people who need to be you know, brave, whatever the emotion that an influencer is feeling at the time, they're going to want the people around them to match that energy. So let's say, uh, and I have a, a client right now who has a glioblastoma a brain tumor. And one of the things about the bio 
neurology of how our brains work and how the pharmacology of our body works is that as we express courage, our body releases something called interleukin-2, which is a very powerful cancer-fighting agent. Then that's just sort of the natural way, one of the things that our body works. It's not going to resolve everything necessarily, but it's going to contribute to the healing. Absolutely. And so this pay, this client has decided that they want to really focus on the emotion of brave. Hmm. So they, and they're an influencer and they need the people around them to do that. Well, other people, they're having other emotions. The spouse of this person is trying to be incredibly rational, not necessarily brave, right? Rational. The parent of this person is terrified and all they're feeling is fear. And they are not getting to brave. They're not. They're just panicked about the disaster that is this diagnosis, right? So see how disengaging as we're all trying to experience different emotions, how we now can't really see each other or feel each other because we don't understand why and we don't understand how. And the strengths can help us navigate that. Yeah, that's really an interesting perspective on uh, yeah, I really love what you just said about that. Everybody's journey is going to be different because they're going to be approaching it a different way. And that really <laughs> rings true. So how how do people find like that, your client who needs brave and she wants, as an influencer, she wants that to be reflected back to her as she's with people. How do people find that? Like, how do they find what they need and meet those needs if the people around them are not in a position to be able to do that? Right. So here's one of the ways that the Clips and Strengths is, a, is a, such a great tool is that we can learn about this client's strengths. So I can gather client's family and say, let's learn about, because everybody's invested in the client's welfare, right? That's what we want. And so as we, as we learn and, and I can talk you through, let's understand this person more deeply and what that means and what we do with that. And here's how you can actually serve them. And now, because we all have all the strengths, that's the thing. It may not be the way that we naturally express ourselves that gives us energy, but if there's a reason for, I'll just use me, if there's a reason for me to be deliberative, right? To use my husband and my example, if there's a reason for me to do it, I absolutely can. And if, if I understand that he needs me to show up that way and, and what it's going to do for this particular situation, I don't necessarily get fulfillment from that, but I now have the ability to show up in a way that's serving us, whatever the version of us is, right? Whether it's the patient or the spouse or the team or the manager or the neighbor, or, you know, whatever us is, mm-hmm. I can now contribute or at least allow you space to offer that and I can receive it. And so that's what we work on is how do we connect with the people? And what are they asking for? And then you see what they're asking for, right? Like I ask for decisions and movements. My husband asks for risk mitigation and intentional decision-making. Yeah. How do you in, like advise people? Cause I'm just thinking as, you know, if, if I'm a caregiver hearing this and wanting to support, you know, my loved one going through something really hard, I can tap into that, that those talents that they need from me. Right. But then it is really important for people to meet, to get their needs met as well. Like we were saying before, every, every strength has its needs and as well as the way that it contributes, I guess it's just a matter of figuring out, like still getting, getting your needs met in other ways and, and showing up 
for this person in the way that is going to be best right. for them at that time. So the, the first thing is the best way to show up for the person is for you to be the best version of you, not some fake version, not some like I'm just I'm trying to act the way you need me to act. And so understanding your own strengths is going to have the biggest influence, right? Just like my example about the movies, my family now, my in-law family loves that I'm in charge and they will literally turn to me and be like, as what are we doing? <laughs> and they love that because now someone's get, allowing them to get stuff done, get stuff. And, and, and so instead of suppressing that, I expressed it. And now everybody's happier, right? Because they've got someone who will get everybody started and I get to be me. I get to be the, the best version of me. So learning and understanding who you are then gives space for other people. Like I know that my niece's number one is empathy. She's going to feel everyone in the room without even trying. Like she can just feel all the things. And so I'm aware of the impact that that can have. And I can notice that even though I'm particularly low in empathy, that is not, I don't feel it makes me a great coach because I can sit with you in your big emotion and I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It does. It's not my thing, but I have children who are high in empathy and they just read the room. It's a superpower. It's a skill. But just where, you know, who's going to show up with what and what's going to, you know, what are people going to need? What do I want to offer? There's so much, you know, it's, it's hard to explain without saying here are your actual strengths, right? Like when you and I sat down and we went over your strengths, then it makes sense. But even just me talking about my, my strengths doesn't like you go, OK, I kind of get that. I kind of see that. But then when you see you, you go, yeah, oh, wow, that is me. And yeah. the combination of your strengths. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like I'm activator, achiever. When you when you go to the website, it'll have a bunch listed. And they're more than the words. That's one of the things. When you see empathy, it's just more than being empathetic. The strength actually is a thing. It's not just the definition of it. There's a there's a whole psychometric, you know, research behind what that particular strength means. It just might be called empathy. Yeah. And people like you uh, who are very well versed in this and, and knowledgeable about it and good at it. I think it, it does give so much insight. I remember you sh- turned me on to the uh, talent to Titan. I think it's called with um, Simon. Yep. Uh-huh. Hurry? Simon, um, Simon hurry. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, he did this thing where I like told him what my, my 10 top 10 strengths were. And he like wrote this paragraph about me and I felt like he was reading my soul to me. Like it was, it was incredible. I was like, he knows me. <laughs> he knows nothing about me except 10 words that I sent to him. It was, yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> he's, like, he's doing some great work. He's just come up with a new tool. He called the fit 16. And it is amazing in helping us aim our strengths and even getting more out of this. It's, it's a fantastic tool. All of it, the Clifton strengths, the fit 16, all, all of this stuff is really, really um, amazingly powerful in helping us understand ourselves and then find where we get more energy and more fulfillment in all areas of our life. Mm-hmm. And that's often people, are, that's what we all want, but they're like, I don't know how to get it. This is the how mm-hmm. we do more of what we are naturally good at, what our natural talent themes are. We do more of that. We bring more of that to the table and we see and leverage other people's strengths that we don't have. 
my oldest daughter has some, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to influence the, um, your audience, but she has a couple strengths that are super social. Mm-hmm. I don't have them. I don't. And so one of the things that I love is now that I understand about that, we were taking our youngest daughter to the MTC. She was going on a, a LDS mission. We were dropping her off, not going to see her for 18 months. And my oldest daughter said, can I bring some friends with us? <laughs> and I'm like, no, there's this tender family moment we're having. No, you may not bring friends to the, to the drop off at the MTC. <laughs> and she was just so hurt. Why would it? And she even said, they've met my sister before. They need to say goodbye to her. <laughs> I love it. And I was all picked at her until I realized, wait a minute, this is her strengths expressing themselves. That's what's happening here. That's, and I don't have those strengths. So I wouldn't think to gather up the neighborhood kids and bring them to the MTC. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but she was like, no, let's get all the people. And so everybody can send her off. And the more, the merrier. <laughs> Even in this kind of private family moment. <laughs> yes, yes. I can relate to that. <laughs> I know how yes, that you is. can. Yes, you can. <laughs> so you would have gotten in my minivan. I would have been there. You would have been like, I've never met your daughter, but I want to say goodbye. But I love her and I will cry as she goes out the door. <laughs> that is, but that's a strength thing. Exactly what you're saying is a strength thing. Not as much as I would like to say, not because you're a weirdo. <laughs> I appreciate that perspective. <laughs> I have to remind my husband of that. I'm not a weirdo. This is a strength. <laughs> I haven't been able to convince my husband yet, so (laughs) I'm not aware of it. We'll keep working on it. (laughs) Um, I love that. So let's talk for a second, if it's okay. I there was a a tool that you taught about like the toxic triangle, and I think that can be really helpful in again relationships, especially where they're situation of caregiving or like helping each other. Um, It can be tricky, and yeah. So we want to. No potential yeah. problematic dynamics that could happen and how to like establish good ones. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I love this when we're seeing this because it gives us some leverage over this dynamic that keeps us trapped. It's not a Clifton Strengths thing, but it is a co- one of the coaching things that I use when when I hear it come out in people. It doesn't come out in everybody, but I'll I'll hear it sometimes. So if you imagine a triangle, right? I if I were writing on my whiteboard behind me, you imagine a triangle, and at the very top of the triangle, we would put the victim. The person that something has happened to in your situation, it would be, you know, the person who's had the brain injury or the person who's had the thing happen, who's gotten their feelings hurt. If we're not even if we're not in a context of, you know, some sort of health crisis or injury, like, did you get your feelings hurt? Did someone do something wrong? Where where are you like how where is the victim here? And the victim builds a story about all the reasons why they have been disempowered and why this thing has happened to them, whether it's a health thing and we build a really, really powerful story around our health crises all the way to like the, the context of why it's happened. We just build all this evidence of why I'm a victim. And in this triangle, pick one, it doesn't matter which side, one of the other points, we have the villain. And this is the person or the situation who did it to us. 
the person who hit us with their car, the person who tripped us so we hit our head, the person who hurt our feelings. It can even be God, right? God didn't answer my press, my prayers, didn't protect me, didn't, but there's some outside person and force who who is responsible for why I've been victimized. And this dynamic, we then talk about it a lot. If someone talks to me about my situation and I'm a victim, I'm going to tell you who the villain was. Oh, my parents didn't raise me right. Or my boss is mean, or my husband doesn't pick up his socks or, and I'm, I'm being a little trivial here, but we have, cause we have heavier things, yeah. right? But the person that hit me with their car and now I have a concussion. If you want to, you know, look at in, in, in your paradigm, then we have the rescuer who's going to come in. And that's the person that the story is being told to. And that's the person where we transfer, and this is the other point of the triangle, the third point of the triangle, we transfer our energy into this rescuing person who now feels responsible for helping the victim and protecting the victim against the villain. And whether it's by listening to the story and ratifying the story, or whether it's by providing resources or time or emotional currency or just and giving up a part of their life and their existence to try and help the victim. Now, we know it's a toxic triangle. That doesn't, I'm not ever saying that we don't help people or anything like that. We know it's a toxic triangle if it never seems to get any better, right? If I've been helping this person and listening to the same story over and over and over. And and let's, from a coaching, you know, remember I'm low in empathy, so I, I will say things that are pretty direct. From a coaching standpoint, let's say you were hit by a car and you have a very bad in- head injury and you're recovering from that. And so the only way that you can tell the story is this is so terrible and the person who's hit me is the villain and we're going to focus all of our anger and rage and emotional currency on being mad at the villain. The the rescuer will endorse that and help you just stay there instead of moving forward to this has happened. What do you want to do to just help just keep you stuck in? Yeah, the villain was terrible and this never should have happened. And maybe they'll go to jail or maybe they should pay the fine or maybe they should be struck by lightning or maybe they should. All of these things that theoretically, you know, might make you feel better, but will never resolve anything. Mm-hmm. And we get stuck in this paradigm of where people get emotionally drained as rescuers because there is no, we're not helping. We're just listening to the same story over and over. We're stuck in victimness because we believe this story we've made up about how this thing happened to us. And now we have no agency. We have no ability to direct our lives because this terrible thing happened. And the villain is almost a nameless entity like not in them but we just project against the villain right we don't the villain's just the bad guy who we have no control over and we get completely stuck in this triangulation it's an emotional triangulation and someone needs to break the cycle usually the most healthy way to break the cycle is the victim recognizes that they aren't a victim that if they choose a different story Even when bad things happen to us, even if someone hit you with a car and you have a head injury, we still get to choose how we're going to tell a story about this and what we're going to make this mean. And once that moment happens, then this toxic triangle dissolves. But as long as we stay there, 
then the rescuer stays engaged, the villain is always the bad guy, and the victim is always stuck. Sometimes the rescuer can break the triangle by kind of confronting the victim and saying, okay, now what? Right? Let's stop talking about the villain. What do you want to do? But it it takes some you know courage emotionally because often, particularly when it's a health crisis or something you know like an injury, we don't want to add to what the person is doing with. So sometimes the hard conversations that need to be have had, we avoid them that we would have with someone who wasn't injured. So that it takes some courage from the caregiver, the rescuer, to be like, I get it, but now what? Which, if we circle back to my glioblastoma client, that is exactly the conversations that we we have. I hate that you have a brain tumor. Brain tumor's the villain, right? I hate that. But now what? Like, let's ignore the villain. What do you, how do you want to live? What do you want to do? What are you going to make this mean? And this person is so grateful for how they're experiencing the glioblastoma and, and going through all the treatments because they're watching other people who are just in constant suffering. And this person gets to empowerment and joy and being present in their life way more often than some of the other patients that are just scared. So you have to break that triangle. And it usually involves a hard, direct conversation of we're not doing victim. We're not. That's not a thing. I think that can that hard, direct conversation can be had with love and compassion, right? Like it doesn't have to. It sounds like, oh, it's a hard thing. We have to tell them, nope, we're not talking about this anymore. But like you said, like, I hate that this is happening. This is a hard thing. Let's recognize that. And let's see how we want to chase it. <laughs> like, yes. I think that's so good. And, and look at, here's what I want to point out in a Clifton Strengths con- context. Look at how you needed to reframe the way I said that because you're high in relationship building. Yep. Right. <laughs> Listen, listeners who are listening to this, trying to hear the, the Clifton Strengths. This is Bethany's high relationship building is saying, look, we can have the hard conversations in a gentle and delicate way. And in a kind and compassionate way. And I'm high in strategic thinking, which is like, I don't care how you feel. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, what, that's why we need each other, right? That's exactly. We need, we need both. It's so important. Yeah, no. And I think, I think that that triangle is very helpful to be aware of. And can you speak to how, like, there was a, something else that you talked to us about with like dependence, codependence, independence, interdependence. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a little bit different than this toxic triangle we've been talking about, but it's one of the ways that we use our, uh, we express our, our strengths through these ways. So the toxic triangle you're talking about, there's two toxic triangles. Sorry. I didn't realize which one you're talking about. Oh, you're good. I think they're both really important. If you don't mind. There's another toxic triangle. They're all over the place. (laughs) So many triangles and they're so bad. All the geometry, these bad geometry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is actually more of a diamond. So if, if I were to draw this out in your mind, draw a diamond and then draw a line across the center of it. And so there's a triangle on the top and then there's a triangle uh, facing the other way on the bottom. Got your diamond. And so on the right side, let's talk about uh, dependence. And that's where we put dependence. And that's where I'm expecting you to be responsible for me. So you're responsible for how I feel. You're responsible for my emotions. And we see the behaviors about that we're waiting 
and we're waiting for other people to do things before I will do something. I'm waiting for you to apologize before I will forgive you. I'm waiting for you to make a decision before I will make a decision. I'm waiting for you to do something, whatever, before I will show up as the version of myself. It's very passive and it expresses itself in the world is it, you need to make me feel better, right? The things that you do influence my feelings. Then go across to the right side of the triangle and that we're going to put independence on that side, like 4th of July independence. And independence on that side is the, I will take care of everything myself. I've got this. I don't need any help. I'm going to do it my way because I know I'm the expert. I'm going to do all the things and gets completely exhausted all the time. Like nobody helps me, even though I wouldn't let anybody help me because <laughs> you all can't do it right. Like when we slow it down, we see it. But when we're in it, I love independence. Like this is the toxic place I go all to all the time. I know how to do all the things. Just everybody stay out of my way. <laughs> And then, then I turn into the martyr, which is like, how come nobody helps me? And they're all like, because you told us not to touch anything. <laughs> right? So independence is this other side of, okay, I will do it all. And you just stay back. So the dependence is you do it. Independence is I do it. Then at the very bottom, we'll put codependence. And codependence is I will if you will. And so it's this very, very inauthentic way of showing up. Oh, okay. If you will be nice to me, then I will be nice to you. If you will invite me, then I will, you know, be, I will talk to you. If, if you, I'm having a hard time riffing on some of this stuff, but it, it's dependent on the other person. I'm going to, I'm going to change how I show up based on what you do. Like if you're not, if you don't do something right, if you didn't pick up your socks and I think you should have, then I'm going to quit talking to you, right? It's now I'm going to treat you poorly or well based on the behavior you're exhibiting that I'm judging, right? How you, what you do is going to change how I treat you. Instead of me being authentic about how, who I want to be and how I want to show up, you have to act a certain way in order for me to be nice to you or for me to include you or talk to you or whatever. And this happens so heavily in our spousal relationships, mm -hmm. right? If you just do it right, then I will be nice to you or I won't shut you out or I'll be intimate with you or, you know, on whatever levels that that is, we have a ton of this of if you will, then I will. And it's this very protective, but look at how none of these are connecting. All of these are disconnecting, right? Yes, yes absolutely. Which is why we call them toxic because none of them bring us happiness or peace or connection or joy. They all drain our energy and they all create resentment. All of them. They bring out people pleasing, inauthenticity, judgment, backbiting, like all kinds. I'm going to talk about you behind your back, you know, all kinds of stuff. If we go to the top of our little diamonds, right, interdependence, right? This is where we're going to collaborate together. And this is how, when I talked about my husband and I are deliberative and our activator, this is how we figured out, wait, if I come as the most authentic version of me and I allow you to come as the most authentic version of you, 
what can we create? Interdependence is about us. It's about the we, and it's always considering the we. It never considers the me or the I separately. It's like, what, what can we do in the world? It's characterized by a lot of curiosity, by staying when it's uncomfortable, by asking lots of questions, by being really honest about how we actually feel instead of being dishonest and people-pleasing. It requires that we stay present and connected because we're invested in the we. And that sum of us is going to be greater than the me or the you separate. And once we hit those sweet spots, it is so enticing to get there again. And I love when this happens at work. I get brought into companies where teams are like all in conflict. And, and once we start understanding each other's strengths and the domains and, and way, what people are needing and you know can start doing, what is the we that we can do? It is so amazing what happens with that team. And then they start loving their job and they have language for saying, look, I need us to get started on the task. And can we do the relationship later? Or I need us to go around and say our favorite color. And, and I can do that today. I have a few extra minutes. Let's, I'll tell you, favorite color. And it'll be fine. Even though it's not meaningful to me, I recognize what it's doing for you. And the us is better when I tell you my favorite color, even though it doesn't matter to me, or it's better for the us when you're like, I'll ask you your favorite color later. Let's get started. Cause you need that. And see, now we can see the us Yes. and there's not the tension and the judgment. And, and we have that in our place. And it is a magical thing that happens in any kind of relationship. That's so, so beautiful. Like that's, that is the ideal. I think I love that. And I really appreciate you going over that. Cause I think I think that can be really helpful. Again, as we're as we're thinking about people in a caregiving, caregiver, and person needing help situation, it could be easy to fall into some of these. And I'm, do you have advice, or or what do you tell people who want to come from that in that interdependence? <laughs> but it seems like you need in for interdependence. It's both of us. But I guess as one individual, you can show up and try to bring yeah bring situation to you. Yeah, keeping yourself out of the toxic triangle first is the most important thing. I'm going to stay when it's uncomfortable. I'm going to be really curious. I'm going to keep committing mentally to the we and the us instead of the me. And so in a caregiving situation, like it's super easy to step into independence because you've got someone who likely is physically compromised and so needs logistically extra help. So it's really easy to assume that I'm just in charge of this. And it's very easy for the person who needs the help to submit to that dependence. You just take care of it, even though I'm super unhappy about elements of this, or there's things I wish were different, or I'd like to express or needs that I have, I'm not going to say them. And so slipping into that dependent state as the independent person is just taking care of all the things. And it's exhausting. This is one of the reasons that we get caregivers fatigue, by the way, is that they get into independence thinking they have to do it all themselves. And it's super important. And it's a standard we have to adhere to and all these things. And it just is exhausting, this emotional paradigm we set up from a space of independence. But having the conversations and being curious and inviting Anybody who's involved, you know, sometimes the person that we're caregiving for is not able to contribute to the collaboration, but there's other people around. Can we be collaborative in a way? Maybe we're caring for an aging parent. Maybe we're, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of elements that 
that contribute to this. And so where can we collaborate? And sometimes we can collaborate with the patient. Sometimes we can collaborate with the family or extended family or maybe some sort of uh, medical resource. Like how can we be the better version of us? Because the two of us, the five of us, the 20 of us together are better than just me doing it my way. Yeah, so good. And I think, again, just throwing this out there that it is really important for the caregivers to be taking care of themselves as well. Like it's, you want to show up, like, like you were saying, you want to show up as the best version of you as, as your most authentic version. And, and that's going to be how you contribute the best and help the best way. And in order to do that, you do need to be taking care of yourself as well. So a hundred percent and independence says, I'm only going to take care of you. Mm. Right. I'm, I got it all. I'm taking care of you. And interdependence is the us means we're both taking care of each other. And, and so that means that I need to take care of me too, right? That in order for me to best take care of you, I need a break. I need some, you know, I need some support. I need some. And so everybody's needs get met better because we're paying attention to all the needs, just not your needs as the patient. And I'm just going to, do everything for you, which that paradigm is so easy to slip into because we want to help. Yeah. I, and again, I just, I love, thank you for sharing all this. Cause I do think that just the awareness of it and being like, Oh, it can just open our eyes and like have lights go off and be like, oh, okay, now that I see this, how do I want to go forward? And how can I work on showing up as, you know, as my best self? <laughs> right. And, and in the, in the caregiver paradigm, it feels like, well, my needs can't like the person's having a health crisis or they need so much more that I should mute my needs. I should just put all my needs on the back table because there's this other more important thing. And it's, it's specifically that shift of one person's needs are higher than another that sustaining that for a long time doesn't work. It, of course, can work in a crisis, right? You have the flu and you're throwing up. I need to hold your hair and that's fine, right? But I can't stand there and hold your hair for six weeks. Right. I, I need either someone else to come in and hold your hair or something to stop you from throwing up. or like so we, we can't sustain it indefinitely. Yes. Yes. So important. And I think, too, from the, the, the person who's dealing with the health injury themselves, like, knowing that they still like, even when they're incapacitated or not able to do all of the things that they would like to do, especially over time, that they still do have something to contribute. I think that is just, that's something that gets brought up a lot is people just really question, like, am I being a burden? Am I like, I want to be able to help in some way. And I think, again, this, this understanding and knowing where, what your strengths are, that you do have important things to contribute, even if you're not functioning at full capacity is a really important message to get out there. (laughs) So Oh, I, I think we prejudge what contribution is. And often we define contribution as sameness. So what I did prior to my injury, and, and I'm actually speaking from experience because I, I think you know, you may not know, but I have multiple sclerosis and have experienced rather dramatic periods in, in that health journey. And so the paradigm of what I could do yesterday, I can't do today, we make that mean something's going wrong. And that is not inherently what that means. It means that I need to now be more creative and accepting and have awareness that I am not the sum of the things that I do. And that is a a tough 
emotional thing to have to work through. And I think that's one of the invitations that a lot of our diagnoses, whatever they might be, whether it's injury or, you know, in my case, health diagnosis, it confronts us with my identity is not the sum of the things that I do. Yes. And we get really safe if we're not confronted with that is, oh, I'm a good housemaker. I'm a good teacher. I'm a good boss. I'm a good citizen, whatever this external diag- this ex- external definition of the things that we do equate to the things who we are. Mm. And the things that we do are not who we are. And that's, that is a important lesson that life offers us in diagnosis and injury. That was so perfectly said. Thank you. And thank you for bringing your personal experience into that because I just, I felt like there was something that needed to be said about that and you, you did it. <laughs> thank you for, <laughs> for perfectly sharing that. I, I love that message. It's so important. And I, I appreciate your like, yeah, you have lived experience with this um, in this way. So thank you for sharing that. I do really appreciate it. And I, we're running up on the end of our time here. Thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. I really have loved this conversation. I think it would be really helpful for a lot of people. It's helpful for me to remind myself of all of these things. I need to go and clean the garage with my husband. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we can connect. Go on a motorcycle ride with your husband. That was the thing. Right? That was the thing. <laughs> That's that, was, that was one of the things. <laughs> it's been a minute, but I do remember that all he wanted to do is just ride the fields with you. <laughs> and I was like, can't you just go do that? I have other stuff I should be doing. <laughs> so good. Okay. I love that you remember that. So how can people, if they want to learn more about Clifton Strengths or you, or like how can people access information um, and get more? Yeah, I, I hope you'll put the link to Gallup strengths in the in the show notes or however you do that but it's gallop.com forward slash clifton strengths you just google it and and the assessment's all online and you create your own account and it's all you know you can navigate that all yourself um if you'd like to work with a strengths coach my uh son and i actually work together and and so if you go to AZ Maloney Coaching, both of us are able to work with you and we work on a myriad of things. And so any any type of thing that you would bring to us, but we do it through a strengths lens if you want. Not all of our clients have taken the strengths assessment, but that's absolutely something that we offer. So we'd love to, you know, work with anybody who needs us. Perfect. Thank you. And they and they use the Clifton Strengths beautifully, but they have so many other tools. I can I can attest to that. Aslan is amazing. I'm sure her son is too. And I, yeah, I would highly recommend people looking you guys up. So thank you again for all of this. I think it really is so impactful and everybody needs to know about this stuff. <laughs> it's just humans. We need to know how to work with each other. And this is fantastic. So it's a great tool. And I really deeply appreciate you including me in the conversation. You're doing really important work and in your niche, there's just a lot of need for support. And I love that you've stepped into that space. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you listened in today. I hope you've gained some helpful insights and inspiration regarding dealing with and recovering from concussions. My goal is to create more awareness and education about concussions and the fact that there is so much that can be done to improve life after someone has had one. Help me spread the message by liking, commenting, rating, and subscribing to this podcast and share it with others who would benefit from hearing it. There are more resources available on my website. And again, if you or someone you love would benefit from concussion coaching, sign up for a free consultation using the link in the show notes or at my website, www.theconcussioncoach.com. Thank you. See you next time and take good care of that amazing brain of yours.